world winning tech uh, um, professional uh, with more than 30 years of experience uh, in this space. You are part of the Intrust IT leadership team with a massive background, uh, both in cyber security, but also in, in software development and engineering. Um, in addition, um, you are a regular speaker and at your channels like CNN, Fox News. So, um, pleasure to have you on the call. Um, and that's amazing. So many things you've been doing. Yeah, happy to. First off, thanks for having me on. Uh, I always love to talk about IT and cybersecurity in particular. So I appreciate the opportunity to chat about this with you today. I'm pretty much a lifelong nerd, uh, as you could, you could see from the stuff that I sent you guys. Uh, pretty much from high school on, I've been involved in technology, spent most of my career as a software engineer, uh, and about, I'd say, maybe five or six years ago, and honestly, to a large extent, because of the fact that it felt like software engineers didn't really take security seriously and, and weren't being trained on it, and that's, I, I always love to talk about this because I've also still, am still teaching um, some programming courses at a local community college. You know, there's there's still just not a lot of emphasis on the security aspect of it. So when I looked out and said, okay, as our society becomes more and more digital, as we require more and more technology just to exist, especially, you know, here in the United States, everything is digital now. You really, it's almost impossible to get off the grid. I started to get concerned really about the societal impact of all of this technology and the lack of cybersecurity. Things like the internet of things, right? These so-called smart devices, you know, people are buying this stuff with little regard to privacy or security. They're plugging it into their networks, which are increasingly now remote, people trying to work from home as a result of the pandemic and so forth. You know, you don't have the benefit of a, a highly secure perimeter, firewalls, IT nerds running around trying to secure this stuff. You got people trying to work from wherever they are and they're throwing all these relatively insecure IoT devices into their networks. And just stuff like that made me start to think, you know, I have a personal interest in, in the, the cybersecurity space. Uh, I think, you know, as an IT professional with some experience there, I kind of have a duty to try to help other people realize how important this is and the increasing importance of it. So I sort of, like I said, about five or six years ago, started to make the transition out of the, the pure cyber, or I'm sorry, the, the software development, uh, software engineering aspects of this, and try to get more involved in, in cybersecurity and especially just trying to raise awareness about it and things like the importance of these frameworks. There's there's so many excellent frameworks out there and so many things people can do, people, businesses can do to improve their security posture that are relatively inexpensive, in some cases free, but it, it just feels to me like many people still don't know, they don't understand the risk or I still hear, oh, I'm too small, that'll never happen to me, I got nothing worth stealing. And I can assure you, your money is worth stealing, and they will steal it if you make it easy for them. So that's kind of how I got here today. But yeah, I'm I'm a lifelong nerd, and you know, kind of wear it as a as a badge of honor, you know. No, but that's amazing actually, because this is such a unique perspective coming from software engineering into the cybersecurity space. Um, knowing many developers myself and engineers, I know that many of them don't really like uh, um, when it comes for security controls. Um, they move into the performance and make things work. And always security is kind of something that need to be added on top of what they're developing. And especially when it comes for, uh, for frameworks controls and IT audit, which I guess you're very familiar with. What do you think? Does compliance equal security? Uh, actually, I think absolutely not. I think they're definitely um, very well related to one another. 
And I think uh, you can certainly be secure without being in compliance, but just because you're in compliance doesn't mean you're secure. And while I am a big fan of a number of the security frameworks out there, things like NIST Cybersecurity Framework or NIST 800-171, yeah, just simply claiming that you have compliance with 110 controls in NIST 800-171, for example, does not necessarily mean you're secure. So I, I think the answer is no. Just because you're in compliance doesn't mean you're secure. But I think the likelihood of you improving your security posture and being able to do it in a timely and cost-effective way by using the various frameworks that are out there to guide you and inform your approach, Center for Internet Security, a big fan of their uh, critical controls. You know, there, there's a ton of information that is currently available from people that have enormous expertise in these spaces. Again, when you look at Center for Internet Security, you know they're crowdsourcing thousands of professionals around the world to develop these critical controls. There's an enormous amount of useful information there. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of informing your approach using these different frameworks. But yeah, I definitely will say I don't believe you're secure just because you are in compliance with some framework. Yeah, and I guess it's also has something to do with your approach, right? If you you come in for a framework with just checking the box, I need it because management decided so, that's gonna look different. If you're really gonna deep dive and understand the countermeasure that you implement and coming from your uh, background, also making very technical controls around the secure software development lifecycle and change management, I guess that there might be some contribution uh, when it comes for, for balancing the security, actual security for the company so people can feel safe you know, with, with what they're doing in the software. You know, it just makes me think, uh, in an era that data is the new oil and actually your, your data goes to your, not only to your vendors, but also to your vendors' vendors. And you're not holding only your customers' data, but also holding your customer customers' data. Um, and when it comes for privacy regulations, CCPA, CPRA, um, does it make any difference when it comes for, for personal data? I think it does. I think, you know, first off, I would hope, although, you know, I'll be the first person to tell you I'm not a fan of a lot of the the um, surveillance capitalism model so many of these tech titans are built on because I don't think the average person really understands how much data they're giving up and how it's being used by these companies. In fact, you know, again, without getting too far down the conspiracy rabbit hole here, there are companies out there who are building you know, machine learning algorithms that can supposedly predict whether you would be a good renter or a good insurer or a good employer or whatever. And they're buying all this data. Companies, you know, who are in a hiring mode might use one of these tools and decide you wouldn't be a good employee based off information that may or may not be accurate. Um, you may or may not have given up if you realized could be used about you in this way. So again, I'm not a huge fan of the whole surveillance capitalism model. Uh, I would like, it, while I'm generally more of a less regulation is good kind of guy, I think we're at a position, at least in the United States, uh, where we probably need more regulation around this stuff because I think it's difficult for the average person to really understand. Again, you know, everything is software, everything is a sensor, everything is collecting data. You know, I, I tell people all the time or ask people, why in the world do you need a smart coffee maker? Yeah, it's really convenient that you know, it can send you a text to tell you your coffee's ready, but it's a lot less convenient when it's plugged into the same network you're trying to work on and it's full of all kinds of security problems 
that are probably never going to get patched, not to mention, you know, the potential privacy violations that are being um, directed against you through all these so-called smart devices. I'm sure you've seen the stories about, like, the Ring doorbell. You know, it comes out recently that the thing can hear your casual conversations from up to 25 feet away. Where's that data going? Who has access to it? How long does it last? I don't know, but I guess my long-winded point is I don't think the average person really fully understands these things. And, you know, I'm happy to see that in the United States, many states now have privacy legislation moving forward. I know at a federal level, nothing really seems to be able to get done on that front. Um, you know, obviously in Europe, they got GDPR and there's other privacy legislation around the world. You know, I'm hopeful that people are slowly waking up to this idea that, yeah, all these tools, these platforms that are free, you know, this low-cost hardware or free hardware they're willing to give me is because they want my data, right? That's how they're making money. I'm not the, I'm not the consumer. I'm the product. Um, yeah, exactly. And that people will wake up to this, but also that there will be more privacy legislation or, and that will help protect folks. And not just you as an individual, but as a business, doing business with other businesses that have your data, right? That they'll be held to account when they're not willing to spend money when they're not willing to do things they need to do to protect that data, which ultimately affects you when they're breached, whether it's you know some type of third-party breach or a direct hack or whatever. You know, I'm the one as a consumer that usually pays the price of having this stuff breached. It's not the big companies who have it breached because, yeah, they get a black eye, there's some bad will, but for the most part, at least in the U.S., you rarely see even companies like Experian, right, these big uh, – these big clearing houses of data, you rarely see any long-term consequences from these major breaches. So no, yeah, we, I, I would like to see more of that, and I wish people would take this stuff more seriously. It's totally right. You could, it just reminded me, you know, the, the movie I Legend with Will Smith. There is a scene with the car. He has a smart car. The car is driving itself. He's resting a show that he's going to get to his destination safely. And suddenly something hacked into the system and tries to kill him. So eventually the comb combination of both identification of privacy, uh, uh, um, privacy information, uh, with all the, the fact that today in the 2022, more and more devices based on software can actually cause for, for uh, it's come for life. People can lose their life uh, uh, by doing yes. that. Companies can steal your personal data, analyze it, and learn more about your everything, your, your healthcare, your political view, your uh, sexuality view, and everything. So that's becoming a, gr a great deal, a very big deal. And speaking about privacy and what's going on with the U.S., what do you think about Israel when it comes for, for the cybersecurity space? Uh, you know, I, I see you guys as a leader in all of this stuff, right? It seems like a lot of the innovation in this space comes from Israel. When I you know, always think of Israel as a leader in anything when it comes to technology. So, um, you know, that's nice. sort of my perspective on it. And maybe you can give some tips for, sure. for people or maybe companies at the beginning of their journey when it comes to security, compliance, um, that will be nice. So I think, you know, there's so many things that even a small business without a lot of resources can do. Again, these frameworks are a great place to start. And some of this stuff is just basic things like make sure you have a strong, unique password for every account. Make sure you turn on multi-factor authentication wherever possible. Google, Microsoft, 
you know, here in the United States, FBI, DHS, NSA, uh, CISA, just about anyone that knows anything about security has said multi-factor authentication is one of the simplest, most powerful things you can do to protect your accounts from account takeovers. And I mean, we're, we still see this every day. I mean, just recently talked to a company that's had $900,000 stolen through business email compromise attacks and account takeovers where they were able to crack in. And it's happening every day. So I go back to what I said earlier. When you tell me, well, I'm small, I don't have anything worth stealing, your money's worth stealing. And if I can get in, if I can get into your accounts, lurk around in there, figure out who you're doing business with, uh, I can steal your money. We see it all the time. And frankly, in all kinds of crazy devious ways. I have firsthand knowledge of a company that had $500,000 stolen out of their 401k accounts. How'd you like that? You think you're going to retire. You've been saving up money. You wake up one day, you check your account and all your money's been wiped out. So, I mean, these are real things. And while, you know, strong, unique passwords, multi-factor authentication are bulletproof, it's going to make you a much harder target. Use a password manager, get a strong, secure password manager, makes it easy to create those strong, unique passwords. Make sure you have some kind of credible antivirus. You know, there's all kinds of really powerful, uh, advanced endpoint protection software out there now. Make sure you've got some kind of antivirus, right? Endpoint protection, MDR, XDR. Unfortunately, one of the things that I think is very frustrating for people who aren't in tech is all the different acronyms, the names change. People will say endpoint protection versus antivirus versus XDR or whatever. And it's like, well, I'm just dumping all this this jargon and acronyms on you. So, um, but, you know, making sure that you have some kind of firewall. I mean, there's so many of these simple things, even as a startup you can do, that will make you a much more difficult target. Use a, use a solid cloud-based platform, you know, we're big fans of Microsoft 365 and the Azure platform. They've got some very advanced security capabilities. And I would remind folks to remember the shared responsibility model of the cloud. As much as I'm a fan of leveraging these cloud-based platforms, you know, whether it's Microsoft, Google, or AWS, or whomever, they have all these tools available. Many of them are not enabled by default. It's on you to choose to use them. It's on you to make sure they're configured correctly. So, you know, you may still get breached even if you have all of this capability because you haven't taken advantage of it or haven't configured it correctly. But, you know, for a relatively small amount of money with something like Microsoft 365, you turn on MFA, you turn on advanced threat protection, you check your Microsoft secure score, which is direct feedback from Microsoft about the, the security posture of your tenant and recommendations for how to improve it. You know, that'll go a long way even if you're a small company or a startup to creating a secure environment where you can protect your business against these common threats. Now, you know, if an advanced threat, if an APT like China decides to make you a target, all bets are off. You know, if you have some trade secrets they want to steal, if you have, you know, if, if you're a target for some reason, you know, then you're probably going to need to get to the next level. But for a lot of small businesses, a lot of startups, there's so many simple things like that you can do. As far yeah. as, you know, tips for how to get into the business, you know, I think it, it's never been easier to have access to just a phenomenal amount of resources online that are free or very low cost. You know, whether it's Udemy, Coursera, InfoSec, there are tons and tons of tons of resources. Hack the box, all kinds of capture the flag type things. And I also want to point out, you know, not everyone has to be a pen tester or a red teamer. There's enormous demand for people on the blue team, right? The folks like me that are out there trying to help businesses be secure. 
vulnerability testing, compliance. You don't have to be a programmer to do this job. You don't have to be, you know, a network engineer to do this kind of work. It certainly helps. I think it's important to have a fundamental understanding of how networks work because it gives you insight into how they can be exploited. You know, you don't, there's all kinds of opportunity and enormous demand in this field, even if you're not a super technical person. Somebody has to be able to explain this stuff, right? Somebody has to be able to sell the stuff. Um, there's always new tools. There's always new attacks. Um, unfortunately, the bad guys are super creative, super devious, and, you know, in many cases will stop at nothing to steal your money or your secrets yeah. or whatever it is they're after. But, yeah, there's just an enormous amount of free resources. Thank you so much, David. It was a pleasure having you on our podcast um, and looking forward to to uh, following you on YouTube channels and hearing most of you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, you know, it's always good to get the word out there and hopefully help folks realize this is a thing they should care about and that there are, as you pointed out, so many simple things you could do. Install the patches, right? There's a lot of simple things you can do. Doesn't cost a lot of money in many cases. Doesn't take a lot of time or expertise uh, and just enormous amount of opportunities uh, from a career perspective in this place. So I appreciate the opportunity to chat about it with you today. We appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Dave Vader, and uh, see you soon. Have a great My day. My pleasure. Thanks.